Hi, everybody. Welcome back. We're talking about the fear of man. You guys, this is one of the most exciting topics I like to talk about. And the reason is, is when you identify this in your life, it breaks off so many strongholds. It really does. Fear of man in America is one of the biggest things that is crippling the church today, in my opinion. It's been crippling the church for a solid 20 years, but I think it reached a peak about two years ago. It's different parts of the United States were maybe a little more advanced in this, or maybe it looks a little different in some parts of the United States. It looks like religion. And in other parts of the United States, it looks like cultural watered down acceptance, fear of challenging other people. But I've broken this conversation, which is actually the conversation about the chapter we read the other day. We, I read it. You guys were gracious enough to listen. And I broke this into two parts because it's meaty. It's a lot It's a lot, and if too much comes at you, it can feel like an overload. And I don't know if you're driving your car when you listen to this, or working out, or making dinner, but I wanted to really just let some of this simmer. The Word of God is so profound in this area about fear of man, and you guys, if you really do research on this, there's so many scriptures. I only have about five or six, but I could have easily had 26. This is something I encourage everybody to take time to pray about, seek God about, and really do some research about. It is one thing to be loving and kind and generous. It is another thing to lower your bar, stop really following Jesus Christ in all areas of your life, and and water down your witness by simply blending into culture because we're afraid of standing out. But this is the first part, and then there will be a second part coming out tomorrow. So they're back to back. If you haven't listened to the ultimate FOMO, which was the episode that this is talking about, please go back and do that. But we're expanding on the ultimate Christian FOMO, the fear of man, right? So let's get started with part one. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Strong Christian Female Podcast. I'm your host, Charity, and this is a community of women who want to be warriors for Jesus Christ. We are kicking off the desire to be comfortable and embracing a wholehearted abandonment to Him alone. Not through legalism, not through works, but through His grace and mercy. We are going to overcome the lies of this culture and replace them with the eternal truth of God's Word. So. Whether you're a student, a stay-at-home mom, a grandma, an entrepreneur, whether you're new to the walk of Christianity, or a veteran spiritual warrior, you are welcome here. Let's get started. Hi, everybody. This is the Strong Christian Female Podcast, and we are continuing our conversation about how to break off the fear of man. Fear of man is something sometimes, you know, in high school or middle school, they called it peer pressure. Other people, you know, they call it, you know, any any sort of identity we're taking on, some cultural identity that's being pushed on us or cultural belief system that now we're taking on and accepting. These are all modern day fear of man issues, whether it's acceptance of debauchery, whether it's acceptance of any sort of addiction, whether it's this acceptance that this is who I I am, or this is okay. And and if you don't go along with what the world says, they flip that script on you and they say that you have an ism, right? A phobia, and or you are a, and these blanket statements are hurtful. They're asinine, if you want me to be perfectly frank. I mean, they're they're not true. But the devil isn't original. He is an accuser, right? He has come to kill, to steal and to destroy. He will steal your reputation. He will literally try to kill someone. But if, if he's not going to take you out physically, he'll take you out mentally. And we see a lot of that in our culture today, even in the Christian community. 
And I am not making light of that. I am not making fun of that. So please don't hear that. Nor do I think if you're struggling with a mental, they call it a mental illness. I would say if it is an illness in the body of Christ, it is it is a temporary one if we know how to follow Jesus, but it is not fast and quick and easy. I suffered with very intense, very dramatic depression for quite some time. And it took a long, long time to get completely out of that tunnel. I felt a significant amount better after about six months, but it took years for me to shake that thing off. So I don't want to make light of it. I don't want to tell anybody that you aren't a believer or you aren't don't have enough faith. I think that is also a lie of the enemy, right? It's that twisted lie he uses to say, well, if you were just a better Christian, this wouldn't be a problem for you. But we're not going to go down that path today. What we're really talking about is fear of man. We're afraid of what other people think of us. We're afraid of what the culture is going to label us. We're afraid even who to vote for because of what man has said rather than what God has said. Do you know God holds us accountable to our choices? And if we choose to act out of ignorance rather than take a step back, maybe even do some research, find some information and pray, you know, God, there are moments you have to be quick and in the moment, but there are other moments you don't. Social media is one of those things, man, walk away. You don't have to engage, which brings up another point. Fear of man is so often really about relationship and holding each other accountable means that you know this person. Accountability only comes through relationship, whether it's someone you see every day in a coffee shop, whether it's your parents, whether it's someone you work with, there has to be some level of relationship. So if someone's doing something, saying something, accusing you of something, or treating you in a certain way, that's where that fear of man can enter in. You know, fear of man can lead to fear of all sorts of consequences, including being pushed out of a social group, being pushed out of a job. I mean, you guys, there were people that I know that said, we will find out and remember forever who you voted for in this last election, and we will hold it over your head. You guys, this is kind of crazy times. That's 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 weird. But let's bring it down a notch. Maybe you're not going to lose your job. But you are going to lose your level of acceptance, even in a church group, by standing up for what the Bible says, by saying, hey, listen, this isn't biblical. This isn't okay. This goes against God's word. Or what my experience has always been is there's no power in it. It's tradition. It's routine. It's soft. It's safe. It's it's basically self-esteem Christianity, or I heard someone once call it diabetes Christianity where you're, everything is sugar-coated and everything is light and fluff and stuff. And there's no meat. There's no challenge. There's no, hey, it's your turn to pick this up and carry it. You've got to participate in your own salvation. Did you know we are to work out our salvation? Our moms, our dads, I mean, I know most of us, our moms and dads are aging. They're older. They're not, you know, in their 30s and we're teenagers anymore. But if you are younger, no one can work out your salvation for you but you. And the, cell, the sinner's prayer is a good thing in that it, it lines us up with what the Word of God says and to follow Jesus Christ, and we make that dedication. But the sinner's prayer is not in the Bible. We have to work out our salvation. We must choose to follow Jesus Christ every day. And a fear of man can keep us from that. So I'm going to start with some scriptures here. Deuteronomy 28. And the officers shall speak further to the people and say, Is there any man who is fearful and faint-hearted? Let him go back to his house. 
lest he make the heart of his fellows melt like his own. Now, this is obviously talking about something other than, oh, I'm afraid of them. But fearful people breed more fear. And a fear of man, meaning afraid of what they think, or fearful people who you surround yourself, that also is something that can jump on you, so to speak. It is something that you can acclimate to. So just like someone's opinions, even if they're completely based in fiction, can affect you, their fear can affect you. And in both cases, we have to set boundaries up in our heart and in our life to still love people, but not to accept the lies they've accepted. And when we fear man, we accept all sorts of lies rather than fearing God and saying, no, I will only accept what God says. See, right now there's a lot of hopelessness. There's a lot of concern. There's a lot of anger. There's a lot of venom. There's a lot of a lot. And we can absorb right into that world if we allow it. And if we feel that people are pressuring us to pay attention to things and saying, hey, this is important. You better pay attention. But God is saying, no, shut that out. Go away. Now, again, I'm not saying put your head in the sand when it comes to significant issues like abortion, human trafficking, education system, all these things that do affect our lives. There are things that God wants justice in, but is not yet there that we are to participate in. Maybe you're supposed to run for an office. However, if you prioritize your priorities by those around you who don't know Jesus or aren't following Jesus and what they say you need to pay attention to, that also goes along with the fear of man. And it can just jack your life up because you're giving into their fear. Because sometimes our life is organized by what we're the most fearful of rather than what we're made to be. Isaiah 51, 7 says, listen to me, you who know righteousness, the people in whose heart is my law, fear not the reproach of man, nor be dismayed at their revelings. So we're not supposed to be fearful of what they think, and we're not supposed to be fearful of them correcting us or going, hey, that's not cool. Don't you do that to me. This reproach, this looking da- being looked down upon, maybe a- even a correction So people will correct the way you think as a Christian because they're not a Christian. I had people kindly, lovingly, sweetly try to tell me how naive I was, how, oh my gosh, that's, oh man, because they liked me. But they would basically tell me I was naive and dumb, if I'm going to be really honest, because I actually believe the word of God. They would tell me I wasn't educated enough. I didn't know enough. You guys, I was a college-educated woman, but... They would kindly, these are Christians, try to educate me and let me know how naive I was, how ignorant I was, how this and that and this and that. And they would basically just let me know that I didn't know anything. And it was their way of reproaching me. Now, it wasn't mean-hearted and rude, but it was a correction they were trying to pass on into my life to guide me to go into a different direction that God wasn't telling me to be in because it went against the word of God. They, in all their intelligence, were manipulating the word of God to fit the lifestyle they wanted to live. And I saw through that pretty easily. But they would educate me by pointing out the time in history things happened. And, you know, the biggest excuse I hear is, well, that was then because in biblical times and now it doesn't relevant and blasey blue. Now, I do, do I think the biblical culture influenced the writings of the day? And some of those cultural things were two specific churches, like cover your head. I do. But when you're throwing out entire swaths of scripture because of the date it was written on, something is up. But they would try to correct me, right? Because they liked me. They didn't want me to say, they wanted me to be, gosh, enlightened. 
But see, we aren't followers of the enlightenment. We're followers of Jesus Christ. And those two things aren't the same. Otherwise, we could go down all sorts of rabbit trails. And if you aren't sure what the enlightenment is, go look it up. But it's a fabulous time in history that did wonderful things. But out of that also came some pretty self-centered man-made things. But, but, the, but we have taken from the enlightenment and expanded upon that in a way that often takes us away from God because we're following the influencers of the enlightenment rather than Jesus Christ himself. See, we have to peel away everything in our culture, including opinions, political affiliations, and we need to see good, evil, Jesus Christ, Satan. That is how black and white these days need to be because everything has a coding, a feels good, tastes good, or a shame attached to it that will push you to steer your ship in any direction but straight. Due north is where we're going, baby. But everybody's yanking on that wheel. And just like I heard the other day, and I thought this was a fabulous way of explaining it, we aren't on a cruise ship. We're supposed to be on a battleship. So if you look around and you realize you're on a cruise ship and everything you hear is soft and easy and I don't want to offend anybody and everything's happy-go-lucky. Now, I'm not saying there's not hope. I'm not saying there's not faith. But if there's no truth attached to that, you might be on a cruise ship. And God is saying, hello, you're supposed to be on the battleship. These are not times for weak-minded people who attend church and call themselves Christians. These are the times for people who are followers of Jesus Christ, rooted in his word, willing to accept correction. That is where we're at. Not correction from men and women who do not know Jesus Christ a correction from the word, from our prayer time, and from fellow Christians who are doing what we're doing. And if you don't have a a power-filled church, and believe me, I understand that, you get online and you find some folks. And if you need to find people, message me. I will send you to folks who are in the word, believing Jesus Christ for not just a miracle, but, but just for their lives every single day. Or just find two friends, one friend. And that is so much easier said than done. And believe me, I get it. But just don't give up. Psalm 118.6 says, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Hebrews 13.6 says, So we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Notice they're basically the same. It's because Hebrews was quoting Psalms because they knew the word. They knew the scriptures. And they weren't walking around with the Bible. They didn't have printing presses. They didn't have a copy of scrolls, but they knew the word because they attended temple and they listened to it being said. And it just says, the Lord is, if the Lord is on my side, I'm not going to fear anybody. Man can't touch me if I'm on a mission from the Lord, if I'm on an assignment from God. Did you know God still gives assignments? I know a lot of you do know that, but I guarantee you half of you are going, what? Assignments? Now, don't get me wrong. Don't get caught up in this, you know, what used to be in my generation. What's my calling? What's my call? I just wish God would tell me what I'm called to do. Well, start with the Bible. Read it from Genesis to Revelation. Try to do what he's called his believers to do in there first. And as you're doing that, your call will unfold. But I'm here to tell you, if you are called to stand in a coffee shop, making coffee all day, smiling and loving people as they walk in that door, that is a much more fulfilling job than sitting behind a desk, never engaging with human beings in a marketing job. I'm just going to tell you. Now, don't get me wrong. I know there's good and bad to both, but we are meant to engage with human beings every day. So your call might feel small and insignificant today because maybe the only human beings you're engaging with are your toddlers, but that is not true. We are to seek out man, maybe just going to Walmart 
and looking around. And as you're both on these masks over yogurt, you're going to have this conversation about, about, I don't know, people are going to start talking to you if you really look for it, if you're open to it. And maybe that was your assignment that day was someone was having a terrible day. I've had people tell me their son just died. I've had people tell me that their husband was dying. I've just because I was willing to engage in a conversation with them over yogurt or cereal or whatever it is. And I've taken the moment to pause and listen. But see, I'm not afraid of them. I'm not afraid of what they could say about me or if they think I'm a weirdo. And a lot of people, they might not talk to you. But I guarantee you, especially now with everybody locked down and separated, you're going to find a lot more people willing to have a conversation in the grocery store. People need human contact. It is unnatural for us to be forced into any level of isolation. And no amount of screens can replace human relationship. But don't be afraid of them. What, what can they do to you? They can walk away. Or if you're supposed to tell someone, if you really feel impressed, you're supposed to tell them, man, I feel like God's telling me to go tell that lady or tell my friend that, that, that this is not okay. And I'm supposed to tell her that. Or I'm supposed to go to my, I know I'm supposed to go to my friend and I'm supposed to tell them not, that their son should not be in that preschool. Something's up with that preschool. And I'm supposed to go tell them. Or even more awkward, that they've accepted a lie in their life. I mean, I've had a few conversations like that with friends and man, it was hard. It was awkward. And they just, they were very nice, but they basically told me, no, they would, they wanted to accept the lie and that culture accepted it. So they're going to accept it. And of course they didn't say it that way, but if you really just strip it down to what they were saying, they were like, oh, it's fine. You know, I'm doing me. God knows me. This is a blessing. You know, nowhere in the Bible does God say you do you. Nowhere. You do you. You do your thing. You do what you do it your way. Do it how you want to do it. You do you. Make your rules. Do your thing. You do you, girl. You do it. Go. Mm-hmm. There's no Holy Spirit passage saying that. We're to follow Jesus Christ and walk in his authority wherever we go. But man will stifle that because you're not going to look anything like the culture, literally, emotionally, or spiritually. Okay, ladies, that was part one simmer on that. Pray about maybe where in your life there's some fear of man going on. Ask for the Holy Spirit to expose that and then get ready for part two. All right. See you tomorrow. Mm -hmm.